Hello and welcome to Manageable Conversations, the podcast where we speak to leaders across industry sectors. In each episode, we discover what helped them in their career, how they stay sharp, and their tips for managers to get the best from their teams. I'm Farley Thomas, the co-founder of Manageable. We hope this podcast inspires you to be a great leader by learning from others. It's learning how to become a really good coach and to get people and build teams where the team itself can change and respond as necessary. And it doesn't require you to try and get involved all the time. That's Mark Makepeace, CEO at Wilshire, the global investment management advisory and data business. Mark began his career in financial services in 1985, joining the London Stock Exchange to coordinate Big Bang, which was the deregulation of financial services in the UK. In 1995, he founded FTSE International and transformed a small startup into one of the most successful global index providers. When he stepped down as chief executive in 2019, assets following FTSE Russell indices were worth $16 trillion. In this episode, Mark reflects on how he broke through and succeeded as an outsider, the power of inclusion, how even accomplished leaders and businesses can adapt with humility, and knowing where you are and need to be on the player-coach continuum. Mark, thank you so much for joining this manageable conversation. I'd love to kick off, if I may, with a sense that I have looking across your career, that it's been a series of quite remarkable pivots and inflection points. I suppose I never thought of them as pivots at the time, but, but, but I think I've, I've built a career, uh, and maybe it's because of where I started from. I sort of left work at 16, and in the early days, like most young people, it, it was about earning money to pay the rent and, um, and to live. So some of the early pivots were really just about how do I progress? Uh, originally, I, I started as a clerk. I pivoted, went into local government. Um, I then went into the city, which is a big pivot. Um, but all of that was driven by just looking for the next opportunity. I helped coordinate Big Bang in the city of London. And, and I think that taught me a huge amount because suddenly, you know, I was dropped in it. Uh, and probably struggled in a way, but learned how to then lean on others, uh, learned how to use others to help solve problems. Whereas before that, it was I was solving everything myself. But then, then I sort of learned, actually, I don't know how to do this. But instead of saying, I don't know how to do this, I give up. There was just something in me that said, who's going to be able to help me? We're, we're, who knows how to do this? And how can I go and talk to them? And how can I convince them they should help me? And, and I think just that stage, and it just happened, I think, naturally without thinking, then took me to a stage where coordinated Big Bang. Because of that, people started offering me opportunities. And that led to an opportunity to create FTSE, the company. Um, but that wasn't easy because, again, you had different views. You had a stock exchange that didn't want to set it up. You had Financial Times that wasn't quite sure. I learned how to build a consensus to get started um, and enough of a consensus. And, and I think each part of my career has been, you know, you've got to be resilient enough. You solve a problem. You've got to be prepared to change, prepared to pivot. But you, you've, you've got to work out how and how to do it successfully. And I've learned it's about the community and the network you can build around you. 
and how you can get those people to help you create something that's of value to more than just yourself. You mentioned you left school at 16 and, you know, ended up in the city, which you characterize as a sort of a big pivot. And I'm just, I'm just thinking about inclusion, openness in the city. How has it changed? And would similar opportunities, do you think, be available or more opportunities available to candidates like you? I think it's, it's always difficult to break in if you're, if you're different. Um, and I certainly w- w- was different, you know, I, I came from, you know, a background which, you know, wouldn't, be, wouldn't normally be accepted. Um, but uh, but uh, I, I managed to, th- to thrive. All right. So, so, you know, you can do it. Um, I, I think today, um, I think people are much more open to try and encourage. And I, and I think that's a really good thing. Um, but I also think it's necessary. You know, for businesses, you know, missing out on talent is a huge error. Um, so building, you know, recruitment programs around, you know, qualifications and degrees and certain schools, um, that doesn't build a diverse organisation and it misses out on so much talent. So as I develop FTSE, you know, I remember looking around the table at FTSE and half of them came from, you know, Oxford or Cambridge at the time. Um, very different from myself. But, you know, I was starting to think, well, actually, we've got too many of those types now. We, we, you know, we ourselves are, are not being as diverse as, uh, and inclusive as we need to be. So I, I think it's something, I think we're all more conscious of it today. Um, I think it's more complex than it, than it ever was. Um, but I think people are persuaded that the benefits of diversity, the benefits of inclusion, you know, far outweigh the difficulties of making it work. And therefore, we're all trying to make sure we build diverse and inclusive organisations. But now your current challenge seems to be of quite a different kind of order, where you've joined a firm with an even longer heritage. What's the impact do you feel you can have on such a force in the markets? I think, first of all, it's probably worth saying a few words about sort of leadership and leadership style. When you do a startup and in your early days, you know, you're a player and you're actively involved in everything. And then as it gets bigger, you become the sort of player coach. And then when it comes really big, you become more the coach. You're dealing with the outside influences and you're the coach. Wushu is, he's got a huge name in the industry and does some really, really powerful things. But um, it is a bit to me going back to being a player coach in a way. And, uh, and, uh, and it, it, it took me a few months really to adapt to that because, you know, it, it, even though when you've had success, you know, still dealing with changes, you, you've got to step back, get your mind around how you personally have to change your style become part of a team which adds value um, and it isn't always leading from the front. I really want to lift Wilshire from where it is uh, and take it several levels higher. In the early days they were an innovator, they were challenging the way things were done and, and they still are but it, it, that needed amplifying and to do that 
you've got to go back because today your technology, the issues you're dealing with are very different. So they needed to develop a voice in some of the areas where they didn't have a big enough voice. You know, they need a voice on climate change. They need a voice in terms of what's happening in the digital world. So, so it was going back and working with a well-established team and trying to introduce some new, new voices, new opinions and try and build that up again in a bigger, better way. We're, we're making great progress and um, I believe that it will um, be a great success. There's a sort of a, a thread of humility here where you, you talk about yourself in this most recent professional inflection point being humble enough to think about how do you need to change? But also this this implied humility about a large organization like Wilshire, which can also change and be more relevant, more innovative, more agile. Um, what do you look for since you've hired a lot of people, Mark, from your startup days to now being uh, a corporate leader? Uh, you've also hired um, people at every level. What, what sorts of things do you think help people to stand out what do you look for and what do you try to avoid if you can spot it early enough i think first and foremost you're trying to build a successful team you know and um within that successful team there's always you know there's a few stars uh, you know there's always a, there has to be a few world-class players you build your team around uh, but those world-class players on their own won't allow you to succeed and sometimes they can be disruptive. So you, you need to build a successful team. So you've got you really got to work hard at how do I influence people? Telling people doesn't work. You've got to be able to help them become better team players. And actually that's harder for the best players because the best players naturally want to get acceptance of being the best. Things that drive them to become the best are the things which you're trying to overcome because you're trying to build a successful team. I had a, a dinner with um, Alex Ferguson. Some of the things he said about how he sort of built teams, how he had to unpick teams and rebuild teams, and how he built those teams around key players and how he managed those key players, how he got people to think about the club rather than their own individual position. I mean, all of that relates to the work world. So in many ways, chief executives are almost like sports coaches. You know, they've got to build these teams. They've got to keep changing those teams to make sure they remain at that top level. Um, and we've got to keep working with all of the players in that team to get them not just to work together, but to constantly improve as a team. When you're a smaller organisation, as I say, you're the player coach. You're on the field. Whereas as you're bigger, you're the coach who's off the field. You've done all your work beforehand and you're observing during the game, but you can't play. And if you try and play, you disrupt the team. It's learning how to become a really good coach and to get people and build teams where the team itself can change and respond as necessary. And it doesn't require you to try and get involved all the time. Very good advice, Mark. How do you stay sharp? How do you cope? Yeah, I think you have to switch off. I think you have to learn to switch off. And also, you know, you have to manage yourself. It can 
be stressful if you allow it to be stressful. I think we all have different levels of stress we're comfortable with. And most leaders have usually have a high level of resilience. I, I think there's certain people who put under some stress, step up, and certain people step back. I think good leaders are people in times of stress, they step up. But there's a degree to which stepping up can also be negative. Negative on the individual, but negative on the people around them. You've got to put your arms around people and bring people with you. So I, I think you've, you've, as a leader, you've got to learn to soak up the stress, be able to take it off others. And you've got to find ways of being able to deal with that. Otherwise, if you internalise it, that's not good. I'd like to expand on Mark's point about stress here. From my own experience, I can vividly recall one or two of those managing me being significant sources of stress at times. And as a manager and leader myself, I'm sure I did the same to others around me at times. We need to be aware of how we might inadvertently, or perhaps intentionally, create stress by demanding results or being dissatisfied with performance. We have to find ways to alleviate this stress because we know now that higher levels of stress result in burnout, adverse physical and mental health impacts, and weaker performance. So picking up on Mark's advice, as a manager and leader, how about reimagining your responsibility as being about reducing and soaking up the stress that individuals in the team may be suffering from? And then you have to make sure you take care of yourself by switching off or finding outlets for your stress so that you in turn can perform at your best. I've been good at switching off. It's time for family time. It's time to you know go read a good book. It's time to listen to some radio, listen to a podcast. Now I put my mind into something completely different. Mark, that's been fantastic. And um, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. If you enjoyed this manageable conversation, there are many other perspectives we offer our community of managers worldwide who coach and individuals from all walks of life who benefit from being coached. That's all from me. I'm Farley Thomas. Until next time.